0: Welcome to episode 1159 of the Sleeper in the Bus. I'm Justin Mason, joined as always on Sundays by Jason Collette. How you doing?
1: Yo, I am super tired. Uh, I am. Yeah, you know, I was thinking back yesterday. Uh, yesterday was my tenth and final draft, uh, and I'm glad draft season's over, man. You know, I love this. You know, you love it. I love it, but man, it gets to the end. You're like, just thank God I'm done. <laughs> it's, it's been a, it's been a lot. And this was the year that I thought I was going to cut back, and here I was at ten. Uh, but it was a great week. I mean, I was—I uh, I flew up to New York for one last time uh, uh, to auctioneer the Moneyball League. Uh, so shout out to the uh, the folks in that league that listen to the show. There are a few, uh, and so I, you know, Thursday went to Opening Day at Yankee Stadium with them and saw your Giants do nothing. So thanks for that. Uh, you know, Sorry. Do nothing, nothing. Although Logan Webb looked fantastic, uh, even you know, just live and uh, yeah, I had some really really good seats. So you look on Twitter, you see a picture, and I'm like, yeah. That was fun. So, yeah, I got to go to the opening day it was cold, Um, especially when the sun, when the seats got out of the sun. I'm like, okay, it's it's cold. Uh, So that was fun. And then Thursday night I went over to Eno's thing at Other Half Brewing. Uh, Shout out to Pete and Harrison, who listened to this podcast, who walked up and introduced themselves and talked for a little bit um, as well. So, you know, I saw a lot of people there. saw saw Nick Pollock and uh, Ellen and Eric were there and uh, Chris Towers from CBS. It It was just cool to hang out with everybody. Uh, for a while. And then got back uh, and then, you know, up, and did, did the auction. And if you've ever been in auction with me, if I'm auctioneering, I never sit down. I would walk around. So I'd walk around the room. And, you know, by the end of the day, I got back to the hotel. And I'm like, oh man, I'm so tired. What time's my flight? Oh yeah, 7, 10 in the morning. So I had to wake up 4.30, make sure I got to LaGuardia and then got in the car and drove to Greensboro, got started, made it in time for the auction. And then uh, last night was late because I had to pick up my son from prom. And yeah, so I slept in this morning. I woke up like about 45 minutes before we started recording this. So if my voice sounds a little kind of funky, that's where I'm at. But it's it's been a great week. And uh hey, Razor 2-0. I, and I'm not sorry about that, Paul. Just not sorry at all. Uh so yeah, it's great, man. How are you after that long ranting intro from by me?
0: <laughs> I'm doing all right, man. Like it's just been really, really fun watching baseball, like you know, like I've been pretty much had baseball on the TV every minute of every day since kind of the start of the season giants are one and one So, you know, lost that first one, but I was able to pull out, uh, pull out that second one. So we'll see. I think it's going to be a really long season as a giants fan, uh, but hopefully not a long season as a fantasy baseball player, because my teams are starting off fairly well, uh, which is always nice to see. And we're going to talk some fantasy baseball here. I'll start with some news and notes and then we'll, jump into to the Sunday Fab. Uh, Luis Urias is out six to eight weeks with a hamstring strain. Uh, let's just start with him before we get to kind of replacements. Are you dropping Luis Urias,
1: let's say, in a 12-team league? Yes. Yeah. yeah I'm not I'm not sitting on injuries, uh, not for two months, I, especially in a 12-team with the amount of recycled talent that's available to you, uh, and that he's gone. Next up. I'm I'm not even hesitating on that. What about a 15 team league? 15 team league, uh, really depend on the format. If I have the bench, yes, uh, but like I'm talking about a deeper bench, even in a NFBC seven style bench, out, uh, you know, give me a pitcher, give me somebody I can use. Uh, I I can't, you know, I, I want. It's important to have a good start out, out of the gate, uh, and yeah, if you dump him, you got to pay for him again later. So be it. But you know, what if he has a setback? These types of things. And you, everybody listening knows my stance on injuries. If the players says four to six, we're talking six to eight. And you can miss out a lot of goodness um, early in the season. Don't, you know, if, if you got to pay a second time, that's fine. Uh, but don't miss out on some of these other things that are popping up right now. Like, hi, Trace Thompson. I see you. Yeah,
0: exactly. I, I'm dropping him in all my 12s, uh and in any of my 15s where I don't have, uh, like, an IL that's open, he's, yeah. uh, he's being dropped. So uh, it's a bummer because he is a really nice glue guy for fantasy rosters have, being triple eligible. But you just can't hold on to guys like that, unfortunately. Uh, are you picking up Bryce Terang who's probably in line to get a lot more action uh, over at second base with Urias out? <sighs>
1: uh yeah i was interested in the, in the spring so i would be i was trying to figure out what milwaukee's gonna do there i mean they called up joey Weimer here uh mm-hmm. with the assumption of Weimer is going to the outfield and then brian anderson would be coming back to the infield yes mm-hmm. yeah uh, that's
0: what i would assume
1: so where's the room how much how much is Turing gonna have
0: I think the question becomes Is he now going to play full time or is he still going to be like on the strong side of the platoon? It probably seems like he's going to be on the strong side of the platoon. Yeah. So he may not actually get that much more in terms of uh, uh, at bats and plate appearances. I think he's interesting, but like I don't think he is like a fantasy superstar by any stretch right. of the imagination. So, like, I think in 15 team leagues, you can probably take a shot on, see if he does get to play a little bit more, but they still have. Owen Miller and Mike Brousseau on this team who are going to hit against lefties. So oh, yeah. he's probably...
1: that's, job. that's what he does. Yeah.
0: yeah. What about Joey Weimer? He's uh, he gets called up. It looks like he could get some playing time in the outfield with Brian Anderson moving to third place. Like you just said, um, are you interested in picking him up?
1: Yeah. Uh... Uh, I want. I want to say yes. I really do. Uh, it, but my problem with him, like he's got all the tools in the world. Uh, the problem is that there's also some flaws in his swing that could get exposed uh, here rapidly. Uh, with that, so that's where my concern is with him. I'm trying. I was trying to think because you were asking the question. You know, who were some of those guys that have come? Like we all the tools. Was it Trent? Gr- even somebody else in Milwaukee uh, who had the talent, and then they got up, and it was all of a sudden all the strikeouts around moments of athleticism. And that's what I see with Wymer. I mean, if you have not seen him in person yet, uh, it's like if, if I could recreate myself genetically, I would want to look like him. Because, uh, you know, he is, I, I, I comped him the other day to for you wrestling fans, he looks like Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. Uh, you know, if you grew up watching wrestling in the 80s like me, that's what he reminds me of. Except he's got longer hair, at least he did at one point. Uh, I saw him play a few times. I saw him in the AFL. I've seen him uh, here in the Carolina League. Uh, as he comes through. So, I mean, like he's a specimen uh, and he has all the tools and he has, you could look and like, man, I dude's big. Uh, But there's also, you know, there's, there's issues with the, with the overall package in that regard. So I want to say yes, but it's got to be a people league. I, I really can't pull the trigger in a 12.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of power. There's a ton of speed and there is a ton of swing and miss and that's the swing and miss is going to really determine how valuable he is because he is a guy that, could legitimately be like a 2020 guy uh, this year if he, you know, is able to make enough contact and stay up. The problem is, I have like zero faith he's going to be able to make enough contact on lock that. So, yeah, um, he's a guy that can who who could theoretically destroy your batting average. I think he's going to get full time plate appearances. I mean, if you believe what Ross, or resources thrown out, which is Brian Anderson goes to third, um, and uh, you know the platoon guys. Uh, you know, with Voight, Brosero, and Miller are Terang, Mitchell, and Winker, then he's going to get an opportunity to play every day uh, out the gate. I think that may be a little bit ambitious, but I think there's a chance he does get a fair amount of playing time to kind of see what they got on him. I just I, I don't know how well he's going to translate to the major leagues uh, because of that swinginess.
1: Hey, a bit of a curveball here. So you mentioned mm-hmm. batting average. I want to add that. I want to throw this in real quick. You know, we're two games in. Uh, you know, we're recording this before games start on Sunday. What do you think the league-wide batting average is right now?
0: Oh, I believe it's higher than we would expect. So I'm going to say 272. All
1: right. How about 248? Oh, well, Okay. Yeah. I thought it was Okay. Uh, what do you think the league-wide strikeout percentage is right now?
0: Um, I'm going to say 27%.
1: Uh, 24%. And 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 before I move on from there, you know, let's not forget, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about SP ones and SP twos right now. So that's obviously going to impact that. But I would say that opening day game, I went between Cole and Webb, uh, 63% of the outs in that game were strikeouts. So all the rule changes and whatnot, they, they, you're not going to be able to fix too much with the strikeouts, but 63% of the outs in that game were strikeouts, 32 of 54. Um, it was absurd. But yeah, the league is currently hitting 248, 327, 392 with a 24% strikeout rate. And the Babbitt, I'll let you guess Babbitt, where do you think that sits right now?
0: Mm, I want to have no idea. Uh, 295.
1: Uh, not bad, 310. So okay. it's a, it's a little higher uh, than what we but we looked at the last couple of seasons. It, and this we're definitely seeing an early impact of the shift in this regard. Because 2019, 298, then 292 in 2020, 292 in 2021, and 290 last year. So we're at 310 so far. So we are seeing some of that leak over, but batting average wise, in those same years, 252, 245, 244, 243, and 248, first two pitchers through. And that even includes what happened to Chris Sale yesterday, what happened to uh, Shinjaro Fujinami who I paid $2 for in that draft yesterday, and I could not bench him. <laughs> um, so, you know, things like that. So it's like we, we've had some of these big lines, uh, and yet there we are. Uh, so, it, you know, again, it's way too early to put anything into it. But I just – I like asking random questions because it feels like, – especially yesterday, going into yesterday, we actually had more stolen bases and home runs in the league than Trace Thompson and, and C.J. Clark said, hold, hold my beer, let me fix mm-hmm. it and and hit six on their own, and then, you know, throw in the two by Garver, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody else's, but we had more home runs. Now we have more homers and steals so far this year. But, uh, you know, going into yesterday, it was the exact opposite. We had 30, uh, 28 home runs and 32 steals or something like that. Now we have 67 home runs, uh, and we have 49 steals, 49 of 56. That's an 88% success rate. That, that is absurd uh, and is awesome at the same time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been uh, a really interesting – kind of change obviously stolen bases are up uh, a huge amount there's been a lot of talk about that but you know this goes back to an argument i had with somebody over joey gallo coming into the season you know because people like it's joey gallo joey gallo is gonna like yeah he's gonna benefit from the shift he's gonna benefit from the shifts like you're not gonna benefit from the shift that much if you can't make contact and uh, go it's a huge problem for some guys uh, and seeing these strikeout numbers being a little bit higher uh, is something I actually I think I mentioned earlier on in in the offseason when these these rules were being kind of talked about. Uh, and I kind of wish I had stuck with because I thought, you know, hey, maybe these, these pitchers like Logan Webb, who have been getting a lot of ground ball outs of uh, the last couple of years, go for the strikeout a little bit more in order to uh, kind of offset what could be, uh, you know, Bad defense or, or more holes in the defense without the shift. Maybe so. that's
1: what Blake Snell was doing when he had a, a typical Snellian outing on Opening Day against the Rockies was, in Petco. Yikes! Yeah, that was brutal. Every time, I, right. every time I get back on the wagon with him, he does that to me. Uh,
0: uh, Rob, Rob, Robbie Ray is out with a flexor strain. Um, it is a grade one, um, I believe. Yes, but how wor- how worried are you about this?
1: Uh, I'm not happy. Uh, I would say this, like, here's the team, Arizona Fall League, Riders League, drafted this in December. Here are my first, uh, one, two, uh three, four, five, six, here are my first seven picks in that league. Uh, Otati, Goldschmidt, cool. Nice Jose pick. Altuve, out two months. Carlos mm-hmm. Rodon was my next pick. He's mm-hmm. out for a bit. Camilo Duval got his first save yesterday. Cool. Starling Marte is running. Awesome. And then Robbie Wright. So three of my top seven picks in that league are out m- a month plus. Uh, already, and that's not a great start. So that's why I'm like, eh. um, you know, with Ray. He thought it was just, oh, it's cold weather, feel a little weird. Uh, but with a grade one flexor strain to me, like I in my head, I have him out to Mother's Day. That's where I'm like, now it's a race is going to be glass now or Robbie Ray coming back first. Uh, and Ray, because of the bumped up velocity in spring training, people were I, I saw him go even higher than this. I, mean, I took him in the seventh round here because I wanted a, a second starter that could get me a lot of strikeouts. Um, but I saw him going higher because of the increased velocity. I've I even saw some people having him in the Cy Young conversation again this year and some of their predictions. And here we are. Uh, so it's now it's a race. It's like who's going to come back here last now first? with that. So yeah, I'm concerned uh, in that particular league, it's a draft and hold. Uh, so it's like, I have got to find some other options to throw in there, but I also have four pitchers on the IL on my bench. So I'm kind of almost out of options uh, already. And it's two days into the season in that league.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is a bummer. I don't know that there's anything actionable around it. You're obviously probably trying to hold on to Robbie Ray, to the best of your ability, uh, especially if you feel like your SP two or God forbid your SP one. Um, so, yeah, just hold tight and hope that this uh, isn't as bad as it potentially could be.
1: The question I had, was like, what are they? I mean, I, I would assume that pushes Flexen into the rotation because he would, I saw yeah. the other day he worked longer relief, uh, you know, you know, again, excuse my travels. So I don't know what that was like. He came in, but he goes back into the rotation where he wasn't in the rotation. Uh, but I look at their, their bullpen and say, okay, who is now, who's now going to be the long guy? because I guess I mean they called up Gabe Spire uh is the name they called up for that but everybody else I mean Brash could be a two-inning guy but everybody else is kind of a one and done and and Spire is the only lefty in that bullpen which is the, the way they've got that thing constructed right now uh as I look through that so I don't I wasn't crazy about flexing coming into the season so I'm not sure like oh now he's in the rotation uh for you single league listeners I mean beggars can't be choosers uh you know you're you're you've lost You've lost Rodon. You've lost Ray. I really hope, like me, you don't have them both on the same team in your AL league. That would really suck. Uh, but you, you've had some issues right now, and backers can't be choosers. And, and if you've got to go get a pitcher, Chris Flexen's an option for you. Your mono league players, uh, but mixed league players, I'm still staying away.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't really see anybody in AAA that moves the needle a ton for me. I, they they do have uh who was it uh, uh they've got Justice Sheffield still down there uh, Emerson Hancock I don't think is ready uh, Tommy Malone thirty six year old Tommy Malone uh, he'll probably be the next guy up so is he, he right.
1: on the forty because that I mean he's got a, no, he's got a he's uniform number though oh I mean he's got a yeah. uniform number so that's usually a decent sign. Uh, but, yeah, you could see a guy like Malone could watch. Malone could come up and, like, do what Marco Gonzalez did. Uh, yeah, exactly. Older, yeah, you know, who knows?
0: They got someone on the 40 named
1: Easton McGee. I don't know who that is. So, um, that's a licensing right guy. I've never heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> I and <mean, in> <laughs> here I'm probably pretty bad. But, I mean, that's the other thing when you look at this is who's on the 40 men uh, with, with these types of things because they're not – nobody's going to be cutting somebody off their 40 uh, unless they really have to. So, if you're trying to look for what's next, First thing you do is go to the 40 men roster, yeah.
0: yeah. All right, let's uh let's talk about Daniel Bard, who is out right now with no timetable because of an issue with anxiety. Good on him for getting that looked at and worked on. Um, I don't think people take their mental health seriously enough, but that leaves a really kind of wide open kind of situation for the closer role. Uh, in Colorado, do you think they go with a guy, or is this spread around a bunch of guys we don't really care about?
1: The latter. I, I truly, I think it's the latter. The, the other day, I saw that Pierce Johnson uh, got a save, but then you know Brad Hand still floating around there. Um, maybe this is the year in the Met finally uh, steps into <laughs> the the role that we've always casted him in uh, for mm-hmm. so long. It's like, ooh. Uh, so I, I think it's a guy. Uh, you know, but that guy is going to have four different arms type of situation so anybody could do that but you know this is what we thought we were getting into last year and then daniel bard saves 30 games i mean we thought yeah. it was going to be wide open because of a skills issue and not uh a mental health uh you know issue uh, and so it's good that he's taking care of himself uh but this is a wide open opportunity for somebody else to step in uh at, for the time being hopefully it's something that bard can you know get it you know help you know, get better uh i don't know yeah it's you think through all of it and, and other guys that have had issues, you know, sometimes it could be a few weeks. Sometimes it could be a you know a season under uh, with things. So we'll have to see where all this goes. But right now I'm not looking at any one of these guys going, Ooh, Pierce, if you maybe pick one, it would be Pierce Johnson.
0: Yeah. I, I think Pierce Johnson seems like the, the leader of a committee, but this is a team that's really bad in a park. That's atrocious. Um, and, it's probably going to be spread around these guys. At least, I mean, it feels like it's probably a share job between Pierce Johnson and Brad Hand, um, which is never a good thing. Like, I just, you know, uh, when when you're dealing with a bad team, I don't want to share a shared situation. So right. uh, unless I'm desperate, I mean, I might put a couple bucks on Pierce Johnson, but I doubt that even wins it uh, in, most, uh, in most leagues. But I th- maybe I put a couple bucks on Pierce Johnson just for the hell of it to see if he can run with the job. All right, let's uh let's jump into Fab. Uh, got a a good list, um, even though it's early in the season. Uh, Tyler McGill is going to move into the rotation uh, because of uh, <laughs> injury to Justin Verlander. Any interest in him in Fab this week?
1: Yeah, I, I would say overall. Again, beggars can't be choosers. We've had a lot of pitching injuries, uh, and I would say overall, I have interested anybody depending on the matchup. It's like when you sent this one, I I. Put somebody down at the end that we'll get to, uh, because it's a two-start week and the matchups are really good. And I really do not like when this pitcher is on the mound. But if I'm ever going to use him, this would be the week. Uh, it gets back to the old uh, axiom. Mean, I forget who said. It. I mean, Paul's mentioned it too. If you got a guy on a two, you can't start this guy for a two-start week. Then why do you even have him on your radar? Uh, so this is an example of things. But it's just like goes through and yeah. I mean, Verlander says it's minor, but if he's going to be at a month, and I can get. You know, four starts, uh, five starts out of McGill, uh, and maybe maybe bench him on if the matchup's terrible. Then fine, uh, I'll do that rather than sit around like going back to our early example. No, I'm going to keep that bench spot for Luis Urias, and I'm going to bypass a guy that makes five starts for a good team that could potentially get two to three wins. All those things count. So that's a, a good example of somebody where like, hey, I'll take I'll take what's in my hand now versus waiting around and hoping for something down the down line.
0: Yeah, I I'm I'm with you. Like, I'm not super interested in McGill. Um, he's probably of, of the four starters we're about to talk about. He's probably second or third on my list here. I I just don't know how deep he's going to go into games. Um, and he didn't look particularly good in spring. I worry he's still hurt like that. This is just going to you know end up with him on the IL as well. So. I think in in shallower formats in your tens and 12s, I take the gamble on McGill just because the upside is huge. You know he was a guy who was like the really hot commodity in draft season last year. Um, you know he, we've seen him show the kind of skills that an Ace can have. I just worry he's not healthy. The velocity was down in spring. he didn't look particularly good. so um, I in, in your deeper leagues, I think I'd rather get a more stable arm uh, to be honest uh michael grove's gonna step in for ryan pepio any interest in michael grove
1: yeah uh, dave roberts the other day said he is gonna get at least three starts uh on this so yeah that's that's always nice to look at i saw michael grove pitch in a spring training game on tv late one night and it was extremely impressive i, I was making this comment to somebody yesterday uh but you know uh one of my friends, in fact, in an NL league, took Michael Grove and Gavin Stone back to back in his reserves, and I was like, "That, like, if the Dodgers could take those two guys and put them together, they would have an amazing pitcher." And Gavin, Gavin Stone has got that awesome changeup, but then you watch Michael Grove pitch when I, you know, the game I watched a week and a half ago, yeah, uh, you know, was working mid-upper nineties. Uh, and really, just locating the ball very well. So I'm excited to see what he can do at the major league level. Uh, but I didn't see, I didn't see the off speed stuff, and maybe that was just because it was spring and he was trying to get, he was still trying to earn a spot in the rotation at the time. Because remember, he got sent down, and Pepio had won that job, uh, and until he got hurt uh, with that. So yeah, I, I'm interested based off what I saw uh, and, and that game uh, late in spring when I saw that, but you know, saw a few guys. I was like, oh wow, I need to get this guy on my radar and get draft. I. I Think I had ended up with one share of Grove uh, as I looked through uh, looked through the league, my drafts and was like, "Hey, who did I end up with?" Uh, but yeah, I am. That was one of the things where I saw a guy pitch, and I'm like, "Ooh, I I need to get you know, I want to make sure I'm watching this guy." So now that he has the opportunity, uh, I'm going to cash in on that share and use him until I can't.
0: Yeah, I think he's my favorite starting pitching pickup of the week. He he has a nice two start too. He gets uh, Colorado at home and then Arizona on the road, uh, so that's a pretty nice uh, to start to kind of start off your uh, your season. Um, I, I, you just got to worry about the home runs, right? And we've seen Colorado hit some home runs here early in the season, so uh, there is a, a little bit of fear there that he could get blown up. But uh, he's on a really good team. It's a decent park to pitch in. Uh, He's got some good matchups starting off. So, uh, yeah, I like Michael Grove uh, a fair amount here. Uh, What about Johnny Brito, uh, who's going to be the fifth starter for the Yankees for the time being? Any interest in picking him up?
1: Uh, The lack of strikeouts at the minor league level, and I'll say I have never seen him pitch. So I can't say – I can't speak to the stuff. Uh, Just, you know, stat casting, the lack of strikeouts at the minor league level concerns me about what he could potentially do at the major league level. I haven't seen what his starts are this week. You know, who, what his matchup would be. Uh, does he have your Giants today? Yeah, he has my Giants, giants today,
0: today, and then he gets uh Baltimore in Camden.
1: Well, let's see how his, let's see how his uh pickoff move is because that could be as Boston's fighting out. Baltimore has already attempted 10 steals in two games, uh, and they have their track shoes on and they are running. Um, so based off that. Not, no, uh, I don't want. I'd let Brito sit and, and like let somebody else try to see what happens. But we'll see if he has, if he is well against the Giants. Fab run tonight. Yeah, I could see somebody taking the chance. But that Baltimore start the way these guys are once they're on base, they're taking off. That's going to be that could be a scary situation.
0: Yeah, I th- think he's kind of fifteen team mix fallback option, or obviously Ale only if he's if he's still around your Ale only league. I just don't know that he registers in a 10 or a 12 team. I I definitely looking forward to watching him pitch today against my giants and seeing if there's anything, but you're right. The strikeout numbers aren't super enticing. Um, And he's, you know, this is a guy who never really projected to be a a top tier starter anyway. So uh, I'm probably leaving him on the waiver wire for right now, unless, unless he comes, if he comes out today and shoves and looks really, really good, then, Maybe I changed my mind, but uh, for for now, he's kind of at the bottom of my list here. Uh, What about Cutter Crawford, who's going to jump into the rotation, uh, at least for a little bit? Um, He gets a start uh, tomorrow versus Pittsburgh, and it looked like he was going to line up for a second start against Detroit, but uh, maybe Tanner Houck is going to jump into the rotation uh, instead uh, in the latter part of the week.
1: So any interest in Cutter Crawford? no uh because you know like if you look last year he worked 21 games 77 innings total uh with that uh so I'm concerned like he can't even get the five innings to get the win so it's yeah you know, that's what right now like if he they may build him up and get him to that point if he's going to stay in the rotation there are times when I've watched Crawford pitch where I thought he was really good and there's there was some upside to him yeah he's prone to the long ball a little bit at times because he doesn't have he's got a, a a big collection of quantity and nothing is truly quantity. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no, I'm the other way. He's got a big collection of quantity and nothing is truly quality, but he's got enough to get through. So he has the repertoire to do it. I just don't know if he has the the uh, arm strength built up uh, to, or the durability yet even to go five innings into the game. So no, I'm not interested. If I thought he was getting that second start,
0: I'd be a lot more interested. Yeah. Um, just because it would be a really, really nice uh second like, star but it looks like Nick Pavetta is going to get that 2 start instead uh, which makes Nick Pavetta an interesting two start streamer Indeed. this week uh but yeah Crawford I think I think I'm a um a little bit higher on him than you and and maybe I take I do take him over Brito but I'll probably take McGill or in and, and Paul and I had this discussion uh I think it was on on Friday um where he's a little bit more aggressive with his streaming early on in the season, and I'm a little less aggressive. I don't want to start in a hole. Um, I'd rather have to take those gambles a little bit later, uh, especially after I've gotten to see guys pitch, as opposed to taking the gambles early and getting burned and having to work my way out of it. So yeah. um, I, I'm probably staying away from most of these guys uh, outside of Michael Grove. Uh, let's let's move into the bullpen there's some interesting guys who picked up saves Danny Jimenez picked up the first save for the a's do you think he is going to get a shot at being the guy there or is this another you know job that is shared around so many guys and because it's a bad team it's not going to win a lot of games nobody is going to be relevant
1: so early in draft season i liked jimenez for the price because everybody's attention was really on trevor may uh, or even Domingo Acevedo, uh, you know, they were Acevedo, rather. They were on, the tension was there. And so Jimenez, for the price, I was like, okay, cool, I'll do this. Then there were concerns about the velocity in spring training, where it was like barely touching 90. And then I was just looking over here on the screen at his outing. Uh He's thrown 27 pitches the, and his average fastball velocity is 91. It was 93.9 last year. So, that's and the slider went from 82 to 80.6. So so far the velocity's still not there. Uh, and so what was eh, we'll see what's like in spring so far. One uh, sample size of one. That's not fantastic. That's a concern. Mm-hmm. So if he's out there just throwing 91, then if I'm not going to chase that down because that may not that that may be the, a short term a short term thing for him. But when I see a velocity drop like that, I'm I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, I I'm a little concerned as well. I I think he is going to be given an opportunity to be the guy. He did lead the lead the or lead the team in saves last year, yeah. though he did it with only eleven saves. So that tells you exactly like even if he is the guy, like how valuable can he really be? Um, I think you hold on to him if you already have him, but he wouldn't be my highest priority pickup of the closers we're going to talk to right. talk about today. Yeah. Uh. Andrew Chafin got a save in Arizona. Is he the guy? Because I think a lot of people were trying to pick up uh, Scott McGuff.
1: Yeah. I, mean, well, this was, I think we made the comment the last time you and I recorded. Uh, nobody in the Arizona bullpen was inside the top 500 of ABP, So, it was like nobody knew what was going to happen. And, I, honestly, I still believe that. Nobody knows what's going to happen here. I, I still like McGuff stuff, but I didn't see the matchup. Uh, maybe it was, oh, well, hey, there's a few lefties in here, so let's let Andrew Chafin cup get the job. So. I still think this is a, a situational type of thing, but again, this was a wide open type of situation. Now, Chafin does have the stuff. I mean, let's not forget this was a team that let let Mark Melanson just go out and do it uh, with that, and so it it could be a repeat of that. I would, uh, you know, I would not argue against throwing a few dollars towards Andrew Chafin to see if you win. Uh, or make sure that somebody else spends the money. Because you never know if everybody else assumes that nobody's going to bid on the guy, then somebody ends up getting him cheap. You're like, oh, man. Uh, so you know, make sure somebody else spends on that, especially if you're in a victory system, which I wish NFBC would go to, uh, I, especially the guy that spent $926 on their fab last week, uh, whoever that was. <laughs> so it's, You know, up to those lines. So that's where I still think it's a wide open situation. But uh, one something I definitely want to keep an eye on.
0: I mean this is an interesting situation because uh McGuff came in for Mookie Bats in the in the ninth. Um uh, oh uh, McGuff pitched the eighth. So he okay. came McGuff pitched the eighth, stayed in for Mookie Bats at the top of the ninth. The next batters were Freddie Freeman, uh Will Smith, and Max Muncy.
1: Well, I explained so, so two two or three lefties there.
0: Yeah, so maybe that maybe it was just a matchup type thing. Um, or maybe
1: you know how was, had McGuff, how many pitches man. have McGuff thrown at that point? Uh let's see, One, three, 15. I can just go to the go to the bullpen chart. Uh, McGuff had thrown 13 pitches.
0: Yeah.
1: And Chafin came in and got a save with 10 save with 10 pitches. Mm-hmm. So it's
0: interesting. I think this is a shared role. Like I think this is this is a a, a committee. Um, I'm gonna put a couple bucks on Chafin, but I, I think that McGuff probably gets the stronger side of this. Um, but may, maybe this is split like 60 40 between McGuff and, uh, right. and Chafin. uh the guy I am really interested in is AJ Puck, who came in, got a save for Miami. Uh he was one of my uh you know late round picks. In my main event as my second closer, he got the first save in Miami. Are you interested in picking up AJ Puck, who looked really, really good in spring training?
1: Uh yeah. If if the bullpen's where he's gonna be, yes. If the rotation's where he was gonna be, no. I mean, that was always my thing with him. It's like I, I want him as a as a relief pitcher, I don't want him as a starting pitcher. Uh, but if they're gonna use him in this capacity, yay. I mean, when I I was actually watching this game on Friday night. Uh, with some of the guys from the Moneyball League afterwards. Uh, we saw Floro pitch. I believe Floro gave up a home run in that. I forget exactly what happened, but then Puck came in, got the ninth. Puck had actually gone undrafted in the league that day. It was 13-team mix, so somebody picked him up right because they had first-come, 1st first serve waivers, and somebody was like, I'm picking him up right now, uh, and, and went ahead and did that. So, yeah, if he's going to have this opportunity and that usage pattern would tell me that he would because I, I don't recall who was uh, up in the ninth. But that usage pattern that Floro opened the eighth, and then they brought Puck in uh, from the ninth, who got the save with only 10 pitches, um, speaks more definitively than the Arizona situation that we just outlined. Uh
0: in the ninth, it was Lindor, Pete Alonzo, know, know, Mark Canna, and right. Jeff McNeil.
1: Left. All right. So it's yeah, that's to me, that's more that wasn't matchup dependent. That was mm-hmm. this is our guy.
0: Yeah. So Puck did give up a home run, but it was Pete Alonso. So the, I don't think That's there's a happen. ton. Of, yeah, I <laughs> think <laughs> there's a ton of shame in that. But he he got two strikeouts uh, out of the three outs. Uh, didn't issue a walk. I, I really like Puck. I think he was just yeah. a really really um, you know live arm at the back end of that bullpen. I think they're willing to give him that job. Uh, the fact that they gave him the first one over Floro came in and pitched the eighth. I think it's a really good sign. So. Uh, AJ Puck, he is my highest priority kind of pitcher, uh, especially relief pitcher uh, this week in fab if he's still available in your leagues. Moving on over to the offensive side of the ball, Dominic Smith has started off uh, fairly well uh, in Washington, and Washington has a series in Colorado this week. Are you picking up Dominic Smith?
1: Yeah, I mean, he was somebody I mentioned uh, during the offseason as I was interested in him because... Him getting out of New York, because let's remember, he came up in the minor leagues with this track record of just like he's going to be you know, James Loney. It's just a mm-hmm. left hander, going to hit for average. Maybe the power won't be there, but he's going to do this. And he never hit those expectations. Well, go to Washington, do whatever you want. Guess what? He's hitting third or fourth. I mean, he's there's, the RBI opportunities are plenty there. You look at the rest of that lineup, and he could end up staying there. I, I'm looking at what the lineups have been the last three days. Candelario is at third, sixth, or third. And then Smith is at up twice and then third once um, with that. And the only thing, every the other thing I have to say is with Dominic Smith, you know, for those of you guys on uh, you know, social media, he looks like the guy that does the, what? Yeah, the, that guy uh, that always reacts to videos. That's who I think of. I'm like, if he's not making TikToks and he's out there raking and driving in RBIs. So as long as he's going to hit in the middle of the lineup like this, and he, I'm looking at that depth chart saying, okay, wh- who could he possibly lose his job to? And nobody. nobody. Uh, Yes, uh, interested uh, just in a volume play uh, for the uh, for the opportunities. As long as he's hitting that lineup, he's got Luis Garcia and Joey Manessas in front of him. Uh, Kyber Ruiz hitting behind him. Uh, and yeah, so I uh, yes, I, I want to see what he does. Um, uh, he is facing my favorite team this week, so I hope he stinks early in the week and then does well in Colorado.
0: Yeah, I think he's a really nice pickup, especially for that Colorado uh series. G- Heimer Candelario, another guy who's a kind of interesting, uh, deeper league pickup. Uh, the Rockies are going to be throwing two lefties against, uh, against the Nationals in Colorado as well. So, uh, I'm uh, interested in picking up both of those guys. Uh, on the Colorado side, uh, Laris Montero uh, looks like he's going to play every day. Um, and I think this is a little bit surprising considering Mike Moustakis was signed. Montero's playing a, a fair amount. Are you interested in picking him up at a weak third base position?
1: Yeah, it's surprising because, you know, he's under 25 years old and Rockies exactly. right. Exactly. It's like, what? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's hit the fifth and sixth, uh, and he's played third base for all three games so far as I, as I look at the chart. Uh, with that. So, yeah, I think yesterday Mustaka's pinch hit. No, he's a D. I'm sorry. He was a D.H. yesterday because mm-hmm. I was listening to the game last night waiting for my son. Uh, so I was listening to that. But, yeah, Mon- it's just surprising that Montero was young and, and they're using him because he is outside of Tovar uh, uh, because they don't really have another option at shortstop. But the rest of that lineup's rather old. And then there's Montero and there's Tovar uh, down there. So, yeah, I was interested. I had a few shares of, of Montero last year at draft season. I think I ended up with one this year. Uh, with that, but yeah, Colorado matchups uh, dependent. And yes, interested, especially if he doesn't get any lower in the lineup. But if you look at the rest of the lineup, I don't know how he could. Um, Diaz hitting seventh, Castro hitting eighth, mm-hmm. uh, two of the last three games, and then Tovar ninth. So uh, I would I would believe that Montero is there to stay in, in the sixth and possibly even moving up to the fifth spot as he did on opening day if there's a lefty on the mound.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy who could hit like 250, maybe even 260 with that. Uh, you know, the BABIP fuel uh, that you get from Coors Field. Uh, and there's real pop in that bat. Like, he's a 20, 25, uh, maybe even more homer bat. Um, so I think Montero is a really, really interesting pickup. Uh, he is probably my top priority uh, in uh, uh, on the offensive side of the ball uh, this week because uh, I just think with being in Colorado and having the ability to play every day, as it looks like he might do, uh, could be really, really valuable. Uh, Spencer Steer, uh, he's uh, you know having a nice little start to his uh, early season. He was a guy that a lot of people were talking about, kind of uh, as a late round kind of uh, dart throw, uh, a guy who's going to play every day in Cincinnati, which is a great park to hit in. Um, what are your thoughts on Spencer Steer? Are he
1: worth picking up? He's going to play every day. Uh, what right now the problem we look at the matchups right now is he's hit seventh twice. So it's like if he if there is a lefty on the mound, he's hitting high. He hits second. If there's a lefty, he's hitting seventh. So that's that tempers my excitement uh, for him. So yeah, he should be out there every day. But you look at roster resource, and that gets into you know, platoon city in some places too. There's already three other platoons there. If he gets into yeah. a, a position where he struggles, uh, that could be a problem uh, for him. But right now, as long as they're not facing the it, you know. <sighs> Again, they're having they're going to face more righties and lefties. That's just the way baseball is. And if he's going to hit lower in the lineup, that tempers my excitement for what he could possibly do in a shorter in a fifteen team league. You can't with the way third base is. You have to in a twelve team in a ten or a twelve. I'm not as excited because it's all about at bats. Uh, And if he's going to be hitting seventh, uh, that's that's a a bat here and a bat here. Those things add up. Uh, And that's where I'm a little concerned about what he can do. Like who's going to drive him in at the bottom of that lineup. Well, Benson, Jose Barrero, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, impacts his, it impacts his overall production. I'm not as excited
0: about Spencer Steer as other people. I still think there's that hole at the top of uh, top of the zone in his swing. Um, he did hit a home run, which is always nice and gets him a little bit more attention. But like you said, I think he's a, a real platoonerist problem. The problem for Cincinnati, I think, you, as you alluded to, is they can't platoon everybody yeah (laughs) so right now i think he's gonna get an opportunity i don't know if that's a really good thing that he's gonna get an opportunity uh did against both uh, both sides uh because he's struggling pretty hard so uh we'll see i i think he i I would much rather have laris montero and i think steer gets a little bit uh, yeah i agree so uh trevor larnark uh is a former top prospect um That hasn't panned out, in part due to injury, missed a lot of time. He's currently batting cleanup for the Minnesota Twins because of all their other injury issues.
1: Right? Are you running to the wire to pick him up? He's hit cleanup three straight days uh, with it. And and the good news for him is they faced a lot of righties. But then again, if you look throughout the AL Central, yeah, they're not playing as many AL Central games. But there's a lot of righty pitchers in the AL Central. But he said when it's been a righty, he has been hitting cleanup because of the way the lineup is right now. Uh, And it's Larnock is somebody that I've wanted to believe in if he could stay healthy because the tools are there. We know the tools are there, but it's always been one problem or another uh, but right now, while he's healthy, while the rest of the team isn't, and he's hitting in the spot against righties, yes, this is somebody that I want to take the chance with, with Kepler, Correa, Buxton in front of him, Miranda behind him. This is, you know, this is an opportunity worth taking a run at until it's not working, until the situation changes.
0: Yeah, I mean, he may be on just the strong side of the platoon, but that's a, a pretty good uh, spot to be hitting fourth in the lineup. Uh, you know, and he – like you said, he has skills, right? We know there's power in the bat and he's actually got a really good contact skill. Um, I, I think Larnock should be one of your top priorities for pickup this week. If you're, if you're going to the wire, especially to replace an outfielder or, uh, you know, just kind of cycle the bottom half of your lineup. I think Larnock is uh, probably, probably my top hitting pickup. Um, and, I probably my top pick of the week unless I'm really searching for saves <laughs> off the waiver wire. So mm-hmm. uh, I like Larnock a lot. He's a guy I really liked when he was coming up from the minor leagues, hasn't been able to stay healthy, but healthy right now. And, um, like the Minnesota twins are the rest of the team is not. So I think he's going to get that opportunity. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Juwan Bay, uh, is, uh, an interesting pickup. He stole two bases in a game. On my Uh, bench. On your bench. Uh, This is a guy I talked about earlier on in draft season for like draft and old leagues, but it looks like he's starting to, uh, if he can keep up some stolen bases, he might move himself into mixed league uh, you know, even 12-team mixed league relevance. Are you picking up G1 Bay?
1: Yeah, uh, because he's, you know, he was outfield eligible at the draft. He's got two games at second base already uh, this weekend. So if you are in a league that's like a three-game league, or if you're in a one-game league, he's already game. If you're in a three, that's got to be on, on, on the cusp, and a five-game lead should be achievable by the end of the week. So he's playing there. I was attracted to him in deeper formats because of the versatility. They they said they wanted to use him in different places, and they already have, outfield and second base. So he's got both of that, um, and he's run. So, yes, I'm interested in him in a deeper format. There's still limitations to the overall package of what he can do. But in mono leagues, if he wasn't already taken, I, the, the league that I had him on bench is this is an eighteen-team mixed league, and he was a very, very late outfield target because I got Susan Lucci'd all over the place in this draft uh, at the end of it. So I was missing out a lot of targets. I'm like, let me do a speed. Oh, this guy – boom. This is who I. This is who I'm taking, and then I. Didn't put him in my lineup this weekend, so you know bleh, uh, with that. But yes, I, I am interested because in a in the deeper formats, obviously because I did it in an eighteen team league. Uh, but with the versatility, that should keep him in the lineup every day. And he does have the skills to to run.
0: Yeah, I he has got a good hit tool. I mm-hmm. think he can be kind of an above average, uh, kind of hit tool guy. So you know, guy maybe it's like two seventy, maybe even low two eighties. Uh, batting average and then steal a bunch of bases and he plays everywhere. Uh, if, if there were a lot of a lot of talk about, you know, and I think I'm I'm said this uh more than once uh, throughout the draft season is I'm not looking for last year's John Bernie, I'm looking for this year's John Birdie. This one, bay, Bird. yeah, Jay <laughs> Bay could be this week's or this year's. John Birdie, And so I think you should be going to the other uh, waiver wire and picking him up. Like you said, he's outfield eligible in most formats. He's probably he's going to pick up second base eligibility at some point, which is a really, really ugly uh, position. And it, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it just gets uglier and uglier by the day. You know, you lose guys like Jose Tuve, Brandon Lau uh, got hurt yesterday. So. Great
1: toe. He fouled something off his great toe is what they said in the radio broadcast. His great, toe. great toe. All right. Uh, I was like, big toe. We're Sergeant Halka. Uh, You know, two things. One, Birdie's a good example, but I would remind people, remember, most of Birdie's goodness was six weeks. So, you know, don't think it's like money in the bank. I go the rest of the season. I can put my attention elsewhere. It's, you know, watch it because Birdie was great for six weeks until he wasn't. Uh, And then I wanted to go back to Puck real quick because I had a note on the screen. I neglected to read. Uh, Lance uh, Brozdowski had a note uh, from some stuff. He said, A.J. Puck has got a new slider. The old one had three inches of horizontal movement at 87. New one's got 12 inches of horizontal and a lot of lift six inches of carry 84. So he's now throwing a sweeper versus a slider. So if you weren't already like, oh, I like A.J. Puck, you may like him even more now that he's got some sweepiness to his slider. So I had that particular note over here on the screen I forgot to mention earlier with Puck, so I wanted to revisit that real quick. I like that. All right,
0: and then we're finishing out with Josh Fleming. He's got a two-start week. You had wanted to highlight him, so he threw him at the bottom of the list. So talk to me about Josh Fleming.
1: Yeah, so this is what I was talking about earlier. Uh, you know, Josh Fleming is a complete pitch-to-contact guy. Uh, he's got to work the uh, the peripheries of the strike zone, as the, as the late great Dave Wills would talk about on the broadcast – He's got to be slippery. Uh, you know, he's got to get guys looking for something and do something the other way. And that's what he's got to do. Um, I personally do not enjoy watching him pitch because it's a lot of pitch to contact and 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 the batted ball luck dragons and everything with him. That said, in a two-start week against the Nationals and the A's, I already got him in one. A fab run, a fab ran in one of my leagues yesterday, got him. Uh, And I had an aforementioned 18-team league. I knew this two-start week was coming up, so I took him in that one. So I'm using him in two different leagues myself. Uh, And I will actively cut him uh, for somebody else after this weekend to move uh, on. But this is the kind of thing, you know, you mentioned earlier, Paul likes to be aggressive in his streaming matchups. This is the type of matchup um, that you'd want to take advantage of because it's not rare that you'd want Josh Fleming out there for two weeks, uh, two starts in the same week. But this is one of those weeks.
0: Yep. I, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, if you look looking to stream, I think Fleming is one of those guys that uh, can do. I like I said I'm a little bit more conservative early on, uh, and as you mentioned, Paul, a little bit more aggressive. But uh, I think he, I think Fleming is a, a pretty decent two start option. No, I like uh, doing it
1: on a cheap. I mean, like I said, yeah. I think I spent two or three dollars in a thousand dollar. Like it's a single digit thing, and if somebody else gets it, more power to him. Whatever. Yeah, I'm not talking about like I have, well, I'm. I guess I'm a mixture between you and Paul. I am conservative in what I will spend early, but I am aggressive in what I will consider. So, it's like, okay. I'll put it out there and say, okay, five, six dollars. And if somebody says nine or ten, okay, fine, I missed out on that one. Uh, but I'm not going to go out there and aggressively spend my money. But I will aggressively explore options and look at it and say, okay, you now here, this is out here. Let me take a let me take a stab at it, and this could end up poorly. I mean, this is another another league where I had a. <clears throat> Pardon me. I got you know Fujinami yesterday. Took that on you know took that hard. Uh, I have Chris Sale on the league. That did not look good uh, for me. So it's like ooh, uh, but you know, with Fleming these two matchups, this is, these are the kind of things you have to consider. Uh, you may be able to get sneak in that cheap bid, get it uh, for a low, and then enjoy. Maybe he gets one or both of these wins um, with this. You know the A's. Yes, they uh, they split the series against the Angels so far. They went they took the, mm-hmm. first the games. All right, so. Yeah, but they're still not, it's not a lineup you should be petrified uh, with. And then Fleming's also really good at at controlling the running game um, with his, uh, you know, he's pitched to the pitcher. He's always like been a give me the ball, let me pitch it, give me the ball, give me pitch it, type of thing. So I'm not, the pitch clock shouldn't be a factor. If you're worried about the running game with Oakland, Fleming's got a good move that should help uh, keep guys close, and, and just being a lefty normally keeps guys close unless your name is John Lester. Uh, so I i like these matchups, and, and I'm going to use them. And I would say the same thing if he was pitching for any other team uh, as well. It just it's not raised bias. It's just you couldn't ask for a better two start week early in the season. And if you if you just lost you, know, you just lost uh, uh, Robbie Ray and you need a replacement. Here's you can scream your replacement. Maybe there's not one good guy on the waiver wire. But if you can build a Robbie Ray Voltron replacement, two starts from this guy, two starts from a guy next week, a good matchup and, and try to get you know five starts uh, over the next few weeks in a Voltron-like fashion, you know, um, go for it.
0: Yeah. All right. That's going to wrap us up for this episode. Jason, uh, where can people reach you and what are you working on?
1: So right now I'm working on looking at the early stats. Uh, it's, it's something I enjoy doing every year, like home run to contact is one of the things I like looking at right now. And home run to contact, just as a preview, you know, home run to contact, the uh, the formula for that is at bats, you know, at bats minus at bats divided by home runs minus strikeouts. So looking at that. And so like last year, I would go back to like 2019, home runs by contacts, we would see a home run every 5.5% of the time a the ball was put into play. Uh and then it went to 5.3, it went to 5.0 and it dropped all the way down to 4.3 last year. Uh, And we know what the season, the correlations, because I've written articles about this the last couple of years. And the correlation between what happens the first seven to ten games of the season is a very strong indicator about what the rest of the season was looking like. I tweeted something earlier this week, and I made a tweet on opening day of 2021 or 29. I said, hey, you know, at this rate, this is what we're going to get. And I was only 24 home runs off. I made that tweet on opening day, but you know, in serious, I went back and ran the numbers the last couple of years, and it, it aligns up uh, really well. What happens first, and I bring this up because right now, through opening weekend, we're at 3.9%, which is the lowest rate we would have had since 2015 when I'm looking at the chart. I'll tweet out a link to this later, uh, but I will be updating this every day here over the next week because that's my article this coming weekend is going to be, or here's what's happening. And I'm also looking at stolen bases, looking at how often the league is taking off and running. And so the update that uh, particular stat, and we mentioned earlier, the league has an 88% stolen base success rate right now, 49 of, of 56. Last year, that was 75% as they were uh, 2,486 stolen bases. Uh, yeah, 2,486 2, stolen bases. They were caught uh, 811 times. So, but the frequency... We were seeing so stolen base opportunity. For those who don't know, it's a stat that's on Baseball Reference. Stolen base opportunity is a guy on a guy on base with the next base unoccupied. So if you're on first and second is open, you're on second, third is open. It doesn't count home uh, with that. So this year, or sorry, let's go back to last year. Last year, every 20 times that situation came up, the league was attempting this with uh, stolen base with that is the uh, looking at it. So I just look at the numbers and I'm saying, okay, I want to divide the stolen base opportunities by the attempts. So one for every 20 times that happened, that was out there this year. It's one for every 17.7. So we're seeing more of that. And then looking at frequency is kind of reversing a little bit. It's like how many times overall 5% of the time is how often these guys were taken off last year now we're at 5.6 so we're seeing a bump and this is early but you know baltimore's got 10 steals already uh there are uh five teams that have yet to attempt a stolen base uh with that so we're going to see it's just one of these things i want to continue to watch the early i don't have any foundation uh baseline to say okay the first two weeks is going to be a, a trend i talked about in the spring a few times that the spring training rate we can we know what the average reduction has been and how that translates over but right now if the league is stealing the 88% success rate that's going to mean I'm just going to I'm going to do more of this if this is if this is what we can do then I'm not going to slow down I'm going to keep running it let's not forget spring training they were stealing at a 79% clip and so far out of the gate they're doing this at 88% uh so something to watch but I'm more uh, I'm more my attention's more focused right now on this home run to contact because you know, that's a decline. And yeah, we've seen it's been all SP1s, SP2s, and, and in some cases, SP3s um, in the rotation right now. And I would expect, you know, maybe in the next couple of days as we get the back end of rotations, that bumps up a little bit. But we don't need too much. We don't need too much for this to though, no. So, but when we record next weekend, I'll be able to make a definitive prediction to say, this is what the, this one's going to be like for home runs this year uh, and adjust accordingly. Because if you were thinking, oh, there's going to be this many guys hitting this, this many guys hitting that. Uh, may, may want to revisit those predictions.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get to record next week, and we'll have to talk, figure out if okay. uh, since it is Easter. Um, oh, shoot. Uh, so, I didn't so we'll, that. we'll have, we'll have <laughs> to figure out if we can maybe uh, do a Monday or or uh, or a Saturday recording, yeah, to try to uh, see it's if uh, we, we can get it. Um, Break a little bit of breaking news, not like earth shattering breaking news or anything, but uh jo- Joey Bart has been placed on the 10 day IL. Blake Sable is going to catch today. So, for those of you playing uh in leagues where he is not catcher eligible yet, uh, but you get eligibility based on one game of playing, he's now going to be eligible at catcher, which makes him pretty interesting. Uh and in your Yahoo leagues or uh, leagues where you get like five game eligibility, he should get eligibility here pretty quickly. I think he's going to be now trading off with Roberto Perez. Uh, The Giants did sign Gary Sanchez, but he hasn't even reported a triple A yet. So uh, I would expect he is going to be uh, at least a few weeks away before he uh, has a chance of making uh, the majors. So uh, if you drafted Joey Bart, it's time to drop him for the next guy, Blake Sable, interesting guy to pick
1: up. Yeah, don't hang on to your catchers. Uh you could cycle those guys out. I uh, I say this like you mentioned the one game eligibility. Mitch Garver got game one yesterday, mm-hmm. catching while he hit two home runs and drove in six. So Mitch Garver is now a catcher in that format. And your other leagues, where it's five, uh, like in Labor and Tout, I believe I have him in both. Uh, he's now of the way to eligibility there. If you're in NFBC, it is 10 games uh, in Mm -hmm. season to get there. And so I know at least one of my league, I have Otani and Garver. So I did not get, well, actually this weekend, I did get his goodness because I used Otani as a pitcher against Oakland. So that worked, but I, that's not sustainable. You know? And then moving forward, I'm going to have to do it either or uh, until he gets to his 10 games. But at, I, took, I took Garber in the 26th round of the league in that because at that point, I'm like, I'll, I'll wait it out. And at, at draft and hold, I'll, I'll wait it out. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye on those uh, positions and see where those guys pop up. But like I took Sevi Zavala as my backup catcher. Yesterday mm-hmm. early, then I saw him hit a home run. I'm like, yeah, there, there's one more than I, I was expecting. But in that same league, my short my starting shortstop right now is Isaiah, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa um, because I ended up with uh, Alberto Mondesi in that league because shortstop just evaporated between keepers. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what I'm stuck with. So, yeah, I have IKF is my starting shortstop right now. So with the good comes the bad.
0: <laughs> you can reach me on twitter at the mason fwfb uh currently i am writing uh five days a week at fangraphs and three days a week at fantasy pros um on obviously sleeper in the bus podcast uh but also the friends of fantasy benefits podcast and the tgfbi podcast that will wrap us up for this episode for jason myself thank you for listening a fantastic baseball season thanks all